Hi everyone, and welcome to our podcast in good company. I'm Nikolai Tangen, the CEO of the Norwegian Sovereign Wealth Fund. In this podcast, I talk to the leaders of some of the largest companies we are invested in so that you can learn what we own and also meet these impressive leaders. Today, I'm talking to Lisa Su, leader of the semiconductor company AMD. Now, you may not have heard about AMD, but they make the fastest semiconductors and also help construct the fastest and best supercomputers in the world. We own 1% of the company, translating to over 25 billion kroner or more than 2 billion US dollars. Now, Lisa has led one of the greatest turnarounds in the technology sector ever, and she's widely considered perhaps the best CEO in America. You don't want to miss this one. Tune in. Lisa, many um, people consider you the most impressive uh, CEO in America. So we are particularly pleased to have you on the show today. What an honor. You are too kind. Thank you, Nikolai. It's great to be here. You know, the um, the revenue uh, into the uh, Norwegian Sovereign Wealth Fund is from oil and gas um, production over the last uh, you know, 26 years. And some people say that uh, semiconductors is the new oil. Now, why don't you tell us what your semiconductors do? Yeah, so um, we are very excited about, you know, look, I've been in the semiconductor industry, you know, over 30 years, and there were times when nobody knew what a semiconductor was. But uh, today, I think everybody um, at least appreciates that, you know, semiconductors and chips can help power uh, numerous things, whether you're talking about, um, you know, the, the chips that are important for data centers and large enterprises uh, to run their businesses, or the chips that power our personal electronics, you know, our cell phones, our PCs, um, our cars, um, you know, all kinds of things in our homes. So I think you see semiconductor chips everywhere. And, you know, we're kind of the, the uh, you know, the, the key ingredient to make these, um, all of these devices smarter. But you focus in on the really powerful ones. We are. We are focused at AMD. We're focused on, you know, sort of the high performance, the bleeding edge um, of technology. Um, you know, we build, um, you know, processors. Uh, for, uh, you know, large data centers, for uh, personal electronics. Um, we also build um, a number of, um, you know, adaptive um, computing um, chips that um, that have come in with our acquisition of Xilinx, uh, which are focused on programmable content where you can actually tailor um, the uh, the chips for the, the particular, you know, application that you want, whether, again, in your cars and your communication devices, um, you know, in aerospace and defense and industrial and, and all those areas. Mm. So when you look at um, AMD now, what do you think is the most fascinating part of the company? Well, you know, what I um, love about what uh, we do, Nikolai, is that um, we're actually, you know, touching um, so many different applications and, uh, you know, our chips really, um, you know, go from, you know, the largest systems in the world to, you know, everything that touches, you know, sort of billions of people. So it's kind of fun to work on, you know, technology that um, can impact, you know, so many people's lives. Yeah, I, I believe that you are powering five of the top 10 most powerful supercomputers in the world. And I read that you're working on one which is even faster. So first of all, I mean, what is a supercomputer and what can they do actually? Yeah, so, um, you know, think of supercomputers as um, the fastest of the fast. So, um, you know, they're, they're basically... Um, you know, very, very um, large systems that are made up of thousands or tens of thousands of, of processors that are put together, um, you know, in, in large systems. And, and the whole idea, 
is um, if you want to, you know, sort of solve a really hard problem, whether, you know, you're looking at, um, you know, sort of energy modeling, or you're looking at, you know, climate change, or you're looking at, um, you know, sort of, you know, how do you, uh, you know, sort of the origins of, um, for example, you know, vaccine development and, and those types of things, you need very large systems that can actually take a lot of data and simulate it um, in a reasonable amount of time. Uh, so we are very much um, involved in the supercomputing world. I'm very proud to say that, you know, uh, right now we have the, um, the fastest supercomputer in the world. Um, it's called uh, the Frontier Supercomputer that's uh, based at Oak Ridge National Labs. Um, and it has um, actually exceeded one exaflop, which is, you know, again, a big, big uh, milestone in, uh, you know, computing history. And, um, you know, that's based on, you know, AMD technology together with um, our partner, um, HP Enterprise and, um, and the uh, U.S. Department of Energy and the Oak Ridge National Labs. But, you know, that technology is uh, applicable to a lot of different, um, you know, areas. And so, yeah, mm. we're, we're very excited about supercomputing. So and is, that, is that like your proudest baby? <laughs> it's like, you know, all my products are my proudest babies, but yes, uh, it's, it's quite near the top, actually. We, we just put it, you know, we just sort of dedicated it, um, you know, just about a month ago, and uh, it was uh, quite uh, fun to represent the team um, in that. But every time I launch a product, it feels like it's your proudest baby, so... That's good. So um, as these computers become faster and faster, what, how are we as normal people going to see the change? Well, I think we see it in various places and hopefully everyone does see it in their da daily lives. Like in terms of the electronics that are closest to us, um, you know, it's, you know, more capability, your data at your fingertips, um, longer battery life, um, you know, really, you know, we're using more and more devices um, for each of us. And then as it re re uh, relates to businesses, I think what we're trying to do is really help businesses, you know, sort of modernize all of their, you know, business applications. And, um, you know, that includes a lot of work that we do with, um, you know, large data centers. And, you know, most of us are in a hybrid environment these days in the sense that we have some of our own computing and we use cloud computing. And so um, the, the idea is really to provide um, a lot more capability um, so that we can modernize, you know, all of our, you know, business processes as well as, you know, sort of our personal, you know, daily lives um, should have access to a lot more technology and a lot more data. Mm. Changing tax a bit, you, um, you were born in Taiwan and I appreciate you you moved when you were quite small, but how come Taiwan has become such a superpower in in the semiconductor industry? Yeah, it's an interesting uh, point. You know, I I think it's a uh, really an evolution of you know when you think about um, where semiconductors have come from, right? It, it used to be, and like I said, you know, we you know back in the the eighties and nineties, um, you know, we were at a place in the semiconductor industry where you know people tended to build their uh, you know, sort of their their own designs as, as well as their own factories and their own mm. manufacturing capabilities. But as we've gone to more and more sophisticated, um, you know, semiconductor technology, you know, frankly, it takes, you know, billions and tens of billions of dollars to build those manufacturing capabilities. And so, you know, this whole advent of foundries or, or companies that really allow the, um, you know, all design companies to kind of use a common manufacturing site was was kind of a big thing. And, and Taiwan was early in, in recognizing that and they built an infrastructure um, around that. But I think the overarching, you know, conversation is, um, you know, semiconductors are, you know, investments take um, years, you know, to see return on investment, sometimes decades uh, to see return on investment. And um, so it's important to to really, you know, be in and, and be in for the long term. But I mean, is it uh, is it random that you are now running a 
semiconductor company. You know, my parents, and uh, you know, you can appreciate this. I can say this about um, you know Asian parents in general. Uh, very focused on education, math and science. Um, you know, my dad was a mathematician. You know, my mom was like, uh, you know, very much a um, an entrepreneur. And so, um, so engineering may be a little bit in the blood. And uh, it turns out that semiconductors um, are, uh, you know, pretty exciting. Um, I, I like the idea of building products. And so being able mm. to build something and, and feel and touch something is kind of what attracted me to semiconductors. How do they um, shape your aspirations? I mean, we see, we see successful people come, you know, we see the result, but how is it to be born into such an aspirational environment? Well, I, I would say um, it was, uh, you know, for, for me, it was really around uh, always, uh, my, you know, my parents encouraging me to, you know, always be the best I could be. Uh, like I said, education was very important. Math and science was very important. And, um, you know, at a, at a young age, the, the whole idea of, you know, you can make a big difference um, in whatever you do, I think, you know, encourages you. But I would say also, uh, you know, this is all very much around, you know, how important, um, you know, education is and, you know, science and, and STEM education is. And so I, I think I was very much a product of that. Moving on to um, to AMD. So um, when you took over the company, um, the share price was very low, and uh, you know, being there for for a while, um, the value of the company is uh, twenty two times bigger. So one of the biggest turnarounds in in American history. Uh, first of all, uh, well done. Thank you. Um, <laughs> what were the big decisions you made to to create this turnaround? Well, I, I will tell you what attracted me to AMD to begin with is um, there are very few companies in the world that can operate at the bleeding edge of technology. And, and that's sort of where my interest um, has been, right? How do we keep pushing the envelope on um, sort of the next big thing from a computing standpoint? And, and so that's what attracted me to AMD. And in terms of, you know, over the past, um, I've been CEO about eight years or so um, with a company about 10. Uh, it really is with technology. It's about making the right technology bets. And sometimes you actually have to be um, patient. You know, you might have to take a step back to take a step forward. And so, you know, for, uh, for me, it's been focusing the company on our products, our product roadmap, um, making sure that we're making the right technical bets, um, seeing the inflection points in the technology, um, and earning you know the trust of our customers. Because at the end of the day, it it, you t it takes a while to earn trust, um, and it's really important to be able to kind of show data points you know along the way. I've heard you talk about um, to effectuate uh, that kind of uh, turnaround, what you call extreme communication. What does that mean? Well, I think when you have, you know, a company of um, any size, but certainly, you know, we started uh, sort of seven or eight years ago, we were about 10,000 people, we had to get them kind of focused on um, sort of what were the most important things. So extreme communication in, in my world is um, a lot of repetition on, hey, this is this is what we want to do. This is what we want to be when we grow up. This is how we get there. And by the way, these are the steps along the way. And it's been, uh, it's you know really been a bit of a journey for me because I would say that uh, naturally I'm more of an introvert. And so I had to uh, decide that um, you know we have to communicate a lot more. So there's a lot of communication learning along the way. Yeah, you certainly um, seems like you you got the message across. I mean, you surpassed um, Intel, and um, I, I have the feel you're not very keen on talking about competition in particular companies. But if you look at competition generally, what is it that you have done better? Well, look, first of all, I think 
the uh, the markets that we're in, you know, when you think about, you know, high performance computing, when you think of adaptive computing, these are great markets, right? These are secular growth markets um, over, you know, the next decade, um, you know, people will need more compute. And there are very, very few people, very, very few companies in the industry that can provide it. Uh, you know, competition is always fierce, right? I mean, this is uh, this is what it means to be in sort of the, the pinnacle of, you know, sort of the, the technology industry is that um, competition is always fierce. You know, my view of the world, though, is it's most important for us to be clear about where we can differentiate and, you know, mm-hmm. where can we add value that's um, sort of different than um, what others can. And, and that's why we've been focused on, you know, certainly, um, you know, our foundation around technology, um, but also adding additional components. You know, we, we acquired, uh, you know, Xilinx as, you know, the number one player in FPGAs and adaptive SOCs. That adds just tremendous capability uh, to our portfolio. And so, um, you know, it's been very much a view of we have a lot to offer. And the, as we add more technology capability, uh, we become even more strategic to our customers and partners um, as we go forward. Mm. Moving on to the corporate culture. So uh, all leaders say that their employees are really valuable, and uh, but yours are actually very valuable. <laughs> if you take the value of your company and divide it by a number of people, they are worth... Um, Basically, um, eight million each. How do you manage to retain your uh, your your great asset here? I didn't think I had done that math, Nikolai. But okay, that's a that's a good number. You know, for for us, it's about um, ensuring that every employee knows how they connect um, to you know our mission and our and our values and what we're trying to do. And you know, that is one of our you know selling points, I would say, because you know there are others in the industry who might be larger. Um, but, you know, I think what we're trying to uh, do with our, you know, company and our culture is to ensure that, you know, if you want to do um, bleeding edge technology and you want to make a difference, um, you know, come to AMD and, and do that. And I, I think people have felt that they have outsized impact on the technology industry in terms of, you know, just the decisions that they get to make, um, the empowerment that they have and the impact that they have on the company. But uh, absolutely, this is on my mind all the time as we grow as well, because we want to um, you know, as we scale as a company, we've grown a lot. I mean, we you know started with maybe around ten thousand people seven or eight years ago. You know, this year we're at twenty five thousand. So that's a lot of new people that are coming into the AMD uh, culture. You know, we want to maintain that view of hey, you're extremely empowered and extremely capable. You know, to do the right thing. Yeah. What do you think is the key to manage uh, geniuses? <laughs> um, you uh, give them a lot of freedom, but once in a while remind them of what the uh, the big goal is at the end. Uh, but but truthfully, I, I think it is true. When you have such really great people, there is a um, an art, not a science, um, to how to get the best out of them. Um, I think you know we've been very successful in the sense that you know people are proud of the technology that they work on. They're proud of what they're able to contribute. Um, and uh, once in a while, we have to remind them that you know technology for technology's sake is not enough. Uh, we actually need technology for a um, for an end user and end application, and and those those things are are important as well. But uh, you know we ha- we do have some some um, extraordinary people at uh, at AMD. There is a lot of talk about psychological safety these days. And we just had a conversation with Amy Edmondson. Where are you on that uh, on that topic? Well, I, I think if you mean you know the opportunity to um, you know sort of learn and make mistakes, I mean I, I would say in general uh, we have a, a very learning culture. You know I, I'm a believer in you learn from everything. You actually learn more from your uh, you know mistakes and you learn from your successes. Um, that's certainly how I grew up as a 
as an engineer and as a manager. And so as a company, we're very much a learning culture. And, and you know, my philosophy on it is, you know, no one's ever perfect and no company's ever perfect, uh, but we can certainly learn from every experience. And um, as we do, you know, we'll do it um, a little bit better the next time. So I think that's a that's a very ingrained part of, of our culture. Are there any particular things you do to, uh, to stimulate innovation and creativity? Any secrets? Well, I think on the, you know, innovation and creativity side, um, you know, we do do very long-term roadmap planning, um, you know, for our industry and for our business, um, you know, many of the decisions that you have to make, you have to make three to five years in advance. And so we actually think about, hey, what is our five-year roadmap and how do we accomplish that five-year roadmap? And, you know, what are the key nuggets of um, innovation that are going to, you know, make it uh, very differentiated and, you know, sort of leading in the industry. And, and that's also, that's always very stimulating. Like engineers love to do that, right? That's, it's, it's fun to think about the future and then make sure that we execute, um, you know, the present. So that's, that's very much part of our, you know, entire corporate process, actually. But is it difficult to get people to think uh, in such a long-term uh, time frame? Well, I uh, I would actually say it's not difficult to get people to think that way. I think um, you know it's it's energizing to think about the future. the uh, The difficulty is actually ensuring that you know we we put you know sort of these very long term goals into very bite sized chunks so that we are executing you know on those. And and that again has been very much you know part of our culture. Like you know, when we've you know, started our um, new Zen CPUs. I mean, again, that was like a long-term effort. And we said, hey, it's going to take us five plus years um, to uh, become the leader in this space. Uh, but this is how we're going to do it step by step. And then, you know, we, we measure ourselves to the step by step. So your industry is now in the middle of the whole geopolitical situation. And I appreciate you got clients all over the world, including important clients in China and so on. So I'm sure you can't be too specific, but just in general terms, how is the geopolitical situation shaping your industry now? Well, I do think it's a first order consideration. And, um, you know, our, our goal is to balance, you know, of course, you know, all of the different, um, you know, pieces. I mean, you know, we are a, you know, U.S. company. And so, you know, from that standpoint, uh, you know, given some of the national security concerns, we're, you know, certainly you know, very, you know, cognizant of that. Um, on the other piece of it, uh, you know, we do operate in very global markets and we have, you know, a great set of partners um, it, um, across the world and, and our um, employees are frankly all across the world. And so, you know, in this place, I think we have uh, very much, you know, tried to um, you know, have the balance between um, all of the various uh, constituents, and you know, we continue to believe that that's the way to operate um, in um, in this uh, in this you know current time. You are a member of the U.S. President's um, what is called Council of Advisors on Science and Technology. What are the things you discuss here? Yeah, it's um it's a very interesting group actually. It's a uh, I'm, I'm very honored to be part of the um uh it's called PCAST for short, uh, the President's Council. I think it's about thirty people with very very diverse um, experiences. So you know we just actually completed a report on semiconductors in terms of the um, R and D. Uh, sort of investments that uh, should be made over the next, you know, five plus years. So we go from something that, you know, I know a lot about to, to a whole bunch of areas, including, you know, climate change, including, 
you know, uh, patient safety, um, you know, sort of wildfires, which I wouldn't say I know as much about, but it's uh, it's fascinating to think about, you know, putting all of this science together. And, you know, what I would take away from it is, you know, at, at the end of the day, science is so, so important to um, helping, you know, make all of our lives better. Uh, and, you know, having diverse disciplines of people, um, you know, together thinking about what are the right, um, you know, sort of strategic places to uh, to spend time is is what uh, PCAS is all about. And, uh, you know, it's very much advising, you know, the president and the administration on, you know, some of the places to focus on as it relates to, uh, to science and technology. Mm. I'm sure you also focus there on the artificial intelligence. How do you see that field developing over the next let's say three years. Yeah, absolutely. So AI is everywhere. Um, I think we're at the very beginning of, you know, what AI can do for us. And it is still, you know, so much to be discovered. You know, I look at AI as, you know, again, it's an evolution of what you can do with it. And we're at the place where we're just scratching the surface of, you know, how much we can use, you know, sort of AI technology to, again, make our lives easier, make our lives more efficient, uh, make our companies and our enterprises, uh, you know, more efficient, uh, you know, make things safer. So AI is, you know, a huge opportunity for us over the next decade. Spending some time on your, um, on your management style. Now, you have an engineering background. How is that um, influencing your management style, you think? Well, I do say that I'm an engineer at heart. Um, you know, I, really enjoy you know, the thing about engineering that I enjoy is uh, there is a truth right there is a right or wrong uh, a product either works or it doesn't work hmm. and um, you know I find that very appealing uh, in terms of management style you know we are a technology company and so you know the most important decisions that we have as a company are around you know those technology directions and uh, I, I would say I'm not practicing engineering so you know the team does all the engineering work um, but I get a chance to spend uh, quite a bit of time time on the engineering direction and, you know, sort of the product and the technology direction. Hmm. What, what is your view on the gender imbalance in the technology industry? How can that be solved? You know, certainly there is an imbalance. Um, there's an imbalance in engineering overall, and there's probably a bit more of an imbalance in semiconductors. I, I think what we have to do is, um, you know, give people sort of the right opportunities. And, you know, when I, when I look at that, you know, we've made progress, but we've not made yet enough progress um, in terms of just having a more, you know, not just gender diversity, but, you know, underrepresented minorities as well. So, you know, part of this is, uh, you know, making um, the industry interesting and attractive and, you know, sort of easy to uh, be uh, accessible. So, you know, that starts with STEM education and then goes into, you know, once we get people into the company, um, you know, giving people opportunities and, and sort of a career path for how to grow. But there is certainly a lot more that can be done. Both you and I have said uh, publicly that we have our dream jobs. And uh, so uh, when you sit there on a Friday afternoon um, back from work and look back, what are kind of the moments in the week where you think, wow, that was that was amazing. I was really in the flow. I, you know. <laughs> felt this moment of intense happiness? Yeah, it's a interesting question. I would say, um, you know, what, what makes this a dream job for me is um, a few things. One is you get to influence so much, right? I mean, I, I love the fact that the technology that we're in is in so many different applications and so many different places. And we get to partner with um, some of the best companies in the world. Um, I love that fact. I love the fact that we can 
directly influence sort of the product and technology direction. And mm. so, you know, some of my most fun moments, if I think about a week, um, you know, I love going into the lab when uh, we get a product back uh, for the very first time. And, you know, we call it, you know, when we power on the product, like, that's super fun because you see, you know, the engineers and you see, you know, sort of like their faces light up when they're working on a product for the very first time. That's a lot of fun. Um, I love, you know, launching our products for the very first time because, you know, again, we're, we're showing people, you know, the product of, you know, three, four, five years of work. Um, and frankly, you know, I love spending time with our partners, you know, who talk about, hey, these are the challenges that we face, how we can do, you know, amazing things together. So when you think about in a week, like you can go through all of those things, um, you know, that makes uh, the job fun. I think, I think I'm a person who likes to do lots of different things um, that come together it, for, you know, a great good, which is bringing out great technology. What's the proudest moment in your life? Oh, proudest moment in my life. You know, uh, every time we launch products, I'm extremely proud. Um, there are, are always a few special ones. You know, the first time we launched our first Zen processor, um, I think nobody expected the type of performance that, uh, you know, we, like, people just didn't believe it. And it was nice to be able to say, yeah, you know what, you should believe it. We did that and we did a bit more. Um, you know, I love the supercomputer that we just launched. Uh, mm. You know, one of the fun things, I know this sounds really, um, really funny, but, you know, you're you're at um, a national lab and you have the fastest supercomputer in the world. And, you know, I get to sign the plate uh, representing AMD. I mean, those kinds of things are, are, are kind of fun. So mm. we have a lot of, um, well, we've got thousands of um, young people listening to our podcasts. What, um, what advice would you give them? Well, I got a great piece of advice uh, when I was a very young engineer, and um, you know the piece of advice that I got was, um, Lisa, you should run towards problems. And um, you know, I didn't really understand that piece of advice at the time, uh, frankly. But you know, what it what it really means is, look, we all are are going to spend you know sort of all of our our, our waking hours, um, you know, working on something. Whatever you work on, make sure that you work on something that's important. And uh, actually, people like it when you volunteer for tough problems because that's that's where uh, you need sort of the most you know sort of innovation, the most creativity, um, the most um, you know sort of um, opportunity. So I like to tell people to run towards problems. You know, volunteer for that hard problem. Um, you know, don't be afraid to take on something that's that's really challenging because you're going to learn a ton, and uh, people are going to appreciate that you've volunteered for something that was really hard. Yeah, well, you for sure have um, done some quite incredible things and uh, made some huge changes to the world. So uh, it's been a it's been a true honor speaking with you. All the best of luck going forward, and I'd love to come and see that pseudo computer at some stage. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to show it to you, Nikolai. Thank you so much. It was uh, great spending some time with you. Fantastic. Thank you so much. 